0: Welcome to preheated kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week we celebrate the successes, failures, learning and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. Today we're reviewing the bread that broke the internet. Was it as successful for us as it was for the rest of the bread baking world? We'll also introduce a shaped bread from King Arthur flour, hot buttered soft pretzels, and we'll have some great bread-related yummies to whip up just in time for St. Patrick's Day. Green food coloring not required. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk.
1: How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, Stefan. We had our 10th and final Pie Fest. That's right.
1: Pie Fest, Olympia Pie Fest. You had some wonderful pictures of all of the contestants and all of your busy day. Tell me how it went.
0: Yeah, I did post some pictures so people could see and I wanted to share a little bit of information about the winning pies because I know our listeners are super interested in that. Um, second place in the adult pie category. I love the name of this pie. It was called Ninja in the Sky Blueberry Pie. (laughs) It's all about
1: the marketing, right?
0: Yes. I know. I know. It was a blueberry pie, obviously. And then the cutouts on the top were little ninjas facing each other. At first, I thought it was gingerbread man running toward each other. But then you looked at it and you realized it was ninjas. It was so cute. First place was a pie called Fruits of the Forest. Now, Stefan, have you ever heard of a Fruits of the Forest pie? I haven't. It
1: sounds like I want to say one of those black cherry gateaus, but I have no idea if that is anything related.
0: Yeah, so I had not heard of it either, and I was able to track down the baker who made it, and she was so funny. She had not heard of it either. She had mentioned it to a security guard in her building that she wanted to enter (laughs) the pie contest, and he said, oh, you should make a Fruits of the Forest pie. And she said, well, what's that? And he said, go look it up. So she went and looked it up on the internet, and there's multiple recipes out there. I've looked it up since then. It looks like uh, she used strawberries, blackberries, raspberries, and rhubarb. I've seen some others that use blueberries. I've seen some that use apple. It looks like there's generally five items. So either five fruits or four fruits and a rhubarb or four fruits and an apple. And I think it's a great way for people who like that mixed berry and don't want to pick one dominant flavor that you can throw a little bit of everything in there. Yeah. Yes. I
1: love all of those. It would be very hard for me to pick. I love that idea.
0: The grand prize winner was a deep dish apple pie. It was beautiful. Yay. It was so good. Of course, I got to taste all of these in my role as a judge. And the apple mixture, I chatted with the baker. It is a mixture of Braeburn and Granny Smith apples. And I asked her if she would share her recipe with me. And she kind of ducked her head and said, well, it's not my recipe. It's just the Cook's Illustrated recipe from about 10 years ago. And it was a reminder to me that, you know, Cook's Illustrated, definitely one of those places you can trust. They do a lot of research. They do a lot of work. And it's really very trustworthy. You can always count on a good Cook's Illustrated recipe, I think.
1: Yeah, they do all of that heavy lifting for you so you don't need to determine which apple is best just go to the source and they will they will let you know I'm really happy to hear that because Braeburn is one that I always rely on in my apple pie so that's that's good to know
0: And it reminded me of the advice you had given me when we were making our pork apple and cider pie. And you had told me to use a mixture of a firmer apple and a, you know, or I guess you called it a baking apple and an eating apple. And I think that's kind of what she was doing that, you know, the Granny Smith is that tartar eating apple and that Braeburn is really good for baking.
1: Yeah, not just flavor, but uh, texture. Definitely important too. Yes. What a fun weekend that you guys had and way to go out on a big high note as well.
0: Yes, yes, it was a great time.
1: Well, getting back to our month of bread, this is our first listener-requested month, and we're tackling all kinds of yeast breads all month. Andrea, as is the case every single month of our show, it is so hard to choose which recipes we're going to, to bake and have our listeners bake along with us. And there are so many that just have to be set aside for another date in the future, hopefully. And one of them this month that just so narrowly missed making the cut was a Indian naan. And this was a recipe you had had sent to me when we were brainstorming. I We both really dearly love Indian food, had not made a naan before. Andrea, did you know that this was a skillet cooked bread?
0: Yes, that's the, I've only made it a couple of times, but every time I have, it's been in a skillet.
1: So I changed it a little bit. I just made it today. I just finished eating my dinner, which was a, um, an Indian soup that I make a lot with lentils. And I thought, perfect. I need some fresh naan with this. It was, it was a single-rise bread. Then you almost like tossing a pizza uh-huh. dough is what it reminded uh-huh. me of. You kind of have six little minis, and you, you flatten them out, toss them pat them with some water, and then put them in the hot skillet. I actually used my electric griddle. Oh, there you go. Listeners will remember that I have a fire smoke detector to raise the dead in this house. Uh Uh-oh. I thought, you know... (laughs) Smoke oh, no. skillet, just I'm not even gonna chance it. So I'm happy to report that if you don't want to go down the route of a skillet, uh the, the electric griddle worked very well, just turned up to maximum. And I did still open a window and put my fan on
0: just to be safe. <laughs> I love it. I think your neighbors are thinking to themselves, Oh, there Stefan's cooking again. What's she smoke doing? Detector.
1: <laughs> well, you could hear my smoke detector from, you know, the five blocks away, so they know when something goes awry as well, but I loved this recipe and I will definitely post it as as a little bonus uh, for anyone who wants to give it a try. Um, They are just pillowy. They are so soft and delicious. There wasn't a lot of labor involved. So I I really thank you for that recipe and and I highly recommend it for folks who want to give that a try.
0: Yes, it's a fun one. And I do like buying naan in the grocery store. I find that the naan off the shelf is good. The naan you can buy in the frozen section is good. And we eat Indian food a lot for our regular family dinners. But when we have people over and we're doing Indian food, that's when I like to also make the naan just to make it a little bit extra special. And it's just so good to have it freshly baked. I really appreciate the little bit of extra work and it makes a really great addition to an Indian meal. I wanted to remind all of our listeners, we are doing a book club in March. Our book is called Sourdough. The author is Robin Sloan, and we'll be discussing it the last week of the month. So grab yourself a a copy. It is a quick read, and um, we hope that you'll be able to join along with us and share your thoughts about the book.
1: And speaking of our bread, this first one that we did this week, our bake along was called Alexander Stafford's No Need Peasant Bread. This wasn't a sourdough, but it was a very quick no need dough. Andrea, you'd had some experience working. With a no-need sourdough, but the the thing that really appealed to us about this recipe in particular was that it was so quick. It did one rise, and then you were kind of eating fresh hot bread uh, within the same couple of hours. So that was very appealing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> were you spy? Were you spying on me in my kitchen? How did you know that? <laughs>
1: I really had great success with this bread. Uh, Not that I'm adverse to kneading, I don't mind that, but it was so lovely to just kind of sit back and let all of these ingredients do the hard work for me. As I mentioned last episode, I wasn't sure if my Pyrex uh, were oven safe, and this is a recipe that is baked in a glass Pyrex. And so Alexandra very helpfully uh, notes that if you're not sure, you can multiply this uh, ingredients by one and a half times and put them in two standard loaf pans. That's what I did. I had a great success doing it that way. Uh, you have your flour, your salt, sugar, instant yeast, here in the UK that's known as easy-bake yeast, some lukewarm water, and then butter for greasing. So you're talking what, like six ingredients? Not a lot. It came together beautifully for me. resulted in some really fine bread. Yeah.
0: Uh, Andrea, how did this one work for you? Yeah, same experience. I had such luck with this bread. It turned out so well. The first time I made it, I did use all-purpose flour completely. And I used my one-quart Pyrex bowls. And I'll post some pictures. I had so much fun picking which bowls I wanted to use. I got to use another little tool that I've never used before, You'll notice that she mentions in the recipe that if you're using packets of yeast, you can use a whole packet. But if you're using the kind that comes in a jar or in a bag, you need 2.25 teaspoons. Well, about, mm, I don't know, six months ago, back in November, one day I got an email from King Arthur Flower that said, you know, your package is on the way and it's being shipped and it will be at your house, you know, November 5th or something like that. And I immediately thought, oh my gosh, my internet has been hacked because I knew I hadn't ordered anything from King Arthur. (laughs) And so, but I knew I had an account on there and I, you know, probably had stored my credit card on there. So I thought, oh no, what am I going to do? So I called them, but I did notice as I was looking at the order summary, it didn't tell me what the order was, but it did say it was coming to my house. And I thought, well, this is odd because whoever stole my information is now going to have to hang out around my front porch and try and grab the... (laughs) Items when they come. Well, when I called King Arthur, the lady said, we are so sorry. We sent you a yeast spoon for your birthday, and you should not have gotten this message. You know, this is the shipping confirmation, and when we send it as a birthday present, it's supposed to be a surprise. So first of all, I was shocked that this huge company would send me a birthday present. I guess that shows you that I'm a good customer. Andrea, my goodness, yes. And then my second question was, what's a yeast spoon? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So thanks, I think, for this birthday present. (laughs) Exactly. Well, now I know, and it's so handy here, it is a 2.25 teaspoon measure. And so you just dip it into your jar of yeast, and there you've got the perfect size. So that was really fun. I got to use my yeast spoon, and I love that. The first time I made this, like you mentioned, it came out of the oven and it was gone. We, My whole family just attacked it and was like, this is so good. Uh, the second time I made it, I decided to do one of her variations. She does say that you can use as many as three cups of whole wheat flour, but that that will change the texture considerably. Yeah. And so she suggested that you first make it with all-purpose flour and then get the hang of it. And then. And start trying combinations. And so for my second time baking this, I did one cup of whole wheat flour first. So I put it into my bowl on my scale. That came out to about 175 grams. Yeah. And the total grams that you're using is 512 grams. So it was a little more than you know a quarter yeah. of the recipe. But uh, then I just added in all purpose until I got up to the 512 grams.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in general that whole wheat flour weighs more so that's a good point that you did weigh it. You can't just go like one for one.
0: Okay, right. You can't say one cup whole wheat and three cups all purpose because then you're going to have too much. Right, right. I did want to say too, one thing I love about King Arthur Flour's recipes is at the very top there's a toggle and you can select volume, grams, or ounces. And so no matter where you are or how you like to bake, you can make that quick little switch and it makes it really easy. So that whole wheat right. Re- Um, The other thing I did a little bit different the second time, this bread only requires a one to one and a half hour first rise. But with the whole wheat bread, I just went ahead and rose it for maybe two and a half hours. It wasn't necessary, but I thought, you know, I, I feel like the longer you let it rise, the more flavor develops. And so I went ahead and did that. And my whole family agreed we loved the second loaf even more than the first. So the combination of the whole wheat flour and a little bit longer rise It was prettier. It was, you know, obviously a little bit darker brown. It had that nutty flavor. Of course, I slathered it with (laughs) butter because what else do you do when hot bread comes out of the oven? Doesn't everyone do that? Yes. I just could not be happier with this recipe. The author wrote a book called Bread Toast Crumbs, and I am highly tempted to get it. Are you interested in trying some more of her recipes after baking this recipe?
1: I am. I really thought this was a well-written recipe. We have talked in past episodes about recipes that aren't so well-written and why that's a challenge for home cooks. And this was the absolute, if I had to just hold up a recipe and say, this is how one should be written, it was so clear. It was so thorough. There were all kinds of variations. If you didn't have this, if you were using this kind of yeast, if you wanted to use the whole wheat flour, if you had a loaf pan, it was so well done. So easy and results in delicious end product, which makes it, you know, a blue ribbon in in my book. The one thing I thought was this was a little salty for my taste.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Salt does play a role in helping the yeast and bread develop. So I would be cautious about meddling with that a lot. But if I made it again, I might just start scaling back, maybe by just a quarter teaspoon or, or a little amount and then see how I liked that and if I was still getting the the great result. So that was the only thing. It just it just tasted a little
0: salty to me. Do you use kosher salt? Yes. Okay. I I'm asking because I read an article a couple of months ago that was fascinating and it was about how many recipe testers and you know companies that are publishing recipes are now having to include information about the type of salt because yes. there's diamond crystal kosher salt versus say Morton's kosher salt and again the amount of space they take up in that teaspoon can be very different so two teaspoons of the diamond crystal kosher salt can be very different than two teaspoons of a different brand of kosher salt. You know, iodized salt, obviously.
1: Iodized salt, so tiny and kind of heavier and denser. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. I thought it was maybe just something when I went ahead and multiplied this one and a half times, mm. that that three teaspoons of salt, that it even kind of, just kind of sounds like a lot when I say it out loud. It does. Right. So maybe that's just, maybe that's just something for me to fiddle with. But that's, again, that's a taste preference. So that's the only the only thing that I can say I had two beautiful loaves I put one wrapped very tightly in the freezer and the next uh, I made my favorite grilled cheese sandwich which is a gruyere grilled cheese sandwich from Ina Garten and it hardly qualifies as a recipe it's basically bread butter and gruyere cheese I
0: recommend it (laughs) that's a recipe in my book
1: I thought this would be so good for just, you know, toast and lemon curd, for uh, croutons, for it's, it's such a nice, versatile loaf. And, and uh, there you have it. So I think we are agreeing with the masses on this and, and with our listener, Dana, who had recommended this one to us. So thank you so much, Dana. This one's going to go
0: into heavy rotation. Yes, Dana, thank you. We definitely owe you for that tip. Up next is King Arthur Flowers Hot Buttered soft pretzels. I'm really excited about this recipe. I have never made soft pretzels at home. Well, when I say I've never made them, I certainly have opened a box <laughs> from the freezer section of my grocery, but I've never made them from scratch. How about you Stefan?
1: I have not either at least in in the uh, recent past, since we have started this show, Andrea, Uh, Every time I'm talking about a upcoming theme for the month and I'm I'm talking it over what we're going to bake, my husband inevitably says, can you do a hot soft pretzel? (laughs) (laughs) So it's finally coming true, his dream. I'm like, no, you know, hon, we can't do a hot soft pretzel during ice cream month or we (laughs) we can't do a hot pretzel during
0: bars and bonbons. But so finally, finally... (laughs) I'm so interested in how he tried to shoehorn the hot buttered pretzel into other themes. I could see him coming up with some really creative, well, regional food tour, everyone knows you get the hot buttered pretzel at the county fair. I know. So so
1: there's at least one member of my family who is just jumping up and down with joy. This is another very thorough, of course, it's a King Arthur flour uh, recipe. Again, not too many ingredients here. Outside of the norm, it's again that instant yeast or easy bake yeast. The the one very different thing here is that you shape the pretzels and then you kind of soak them in a bath of uh, water and baking soda. And that apparently is going to make a nice color and almost like a crust before you bake. The only thing I would just advise also is this is a lot of steps of resting. So you are shaping the dough and you're resting it. You're rolling it out and you're resting it. So just read that recipe really thoroughly to be sure that you know all of the, the steps you're going to take, uh, take a break at because it's important. Other than that, yeah,
0: I'm, I'm ready to go. We'll have a link to these recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as on our Pinterest and Facebook pages, and we really hope that you guys will bake along with us and share some of your photos and your experience baking up these hot buttered pretzels. Andrea, St. Patrick's Day is just
1: around the corner. It's I can't believe we're already talking about the latter half of March, and we didn't want to spend a lot of time talking about items that were artificially colored green but (laughs) in keeping in keeping with our bread month we actually realized we had quite a few things to to recommend for for people who might want to talk about uh, some bread related yumminess for St. Patrick's Day. Last year we did our Bread and Butter Pudding with Salted Caramel Whiskey Butter Sauce, which may be the longest title in preheated history.
0: I think you're right. But was so delicious. Do you remember that one? Uh, I totally remember it. And in fact, I remember the copious amounts of butter that went on (laughs) each side of the bread, which I think is one of the reasons I love that recipe so much. It was so good.
1: That is from episode 19, if, if anyone wants to take a look back. It is a, it is an indulgent treat for sure. I wanted to ask you if you'd heard about these two newer ones that I'm seeing a lot on Pinterest. One is called Guinness Magic Cake. I think you see a lot of Guinness cakes. Is I've made a Guinness cake for you. One of my favorite chocolate cakes is a Guinness chocolate cake. Right. But this is called a magic cake. Do you Have you heard this? Have you seen this trend? No, I haven't seen it. What is it? Apparently the thing that's magic. <laughs> and now this may just be a uh, kitchen chemistry. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's magic, but I don't want to rain on anyone's little leprechaun parade. Why is it called magic because when you're starting to mix all of the ingredients together, it It looks like it's not it looks a little curdled I guess it looks like you know there's no way this is turning into a cake but then as it bakes it's kind of separates into two layers so you have a rich base which is more like a brownie almost and then a fluffier cake layer well that sounds delicious that certainly sounds magical to me it does so you've got a whole bottle of guinness in there a lot of butter some milk eggs a little bit of white vinegar and it's you know pretty easy you you uh, are using some of those eggs for your leavening and uh, that may be what that top layer uh, ultimately rises into but um, anyway if you see a magic cake it's not just guinness chocolate magic cake there's all kinds of magic cakes out there these days that's what they're talking about. Okay.
0: I might try that.
1: That sounds really fun. Just a really other easy one I found was just a Guinness bread. We're talking about bread this month and uh, just a nice quick bread, uh, including a lot of whole wheat flour, rolled oats, brown sugar, and then your leavening of baking powder or soda along with, yes, again, a bottle of Guinness. So uh, if you... (laughs) have any of that laying around this time of year that's very easy and it reminded me of my very favorite Irish soda bread which I'm pretty sure I've talked about uh, in the past and that I do with pinhead oats um, there's no Guinness in that one it also uses a uh, whole wheat flour wheat germ the pinhead oats and uh, is is really delicious any time of year also so I will put some links to all of those if you guys are interested in some new or different magical or not uh St. Patrick's Day recipes
0: Yes, I'd love your Irish soda bread recipe. I do think I recall you talking about it last year. And when you talked about it last year, you did not have the five pounds of wheat germ sitting in your freezer (laughs) waiting to be used. So even better this year that you get to use some wheat germ. And thank you for remembering it's now
1: five pounds, not six. That's right. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. No, you're, you're working your way through it. I, I, know. I know. Totally. Well, I do not – sadly, I do not have a lot of good things to add to the St. Patrick's Day treats. Uh, when we were talking about this segment, I shared with you that really all I've ever done for St. Patrick's Day is drink the green beer. <laughs> so <laughs> To which my answer was, well, that has yeast, doesn't it? <laughs> Right. That's right. So it does qualify. Um, No, I do like the soda bread. I think my thought when I see St. Patrick's Day breads, and in fact, I got an email this week like St. Patrick's Day is coming up. And the first one was a soda bread, which I like, but only if it's covered in a lot of butter. Just by itself, it doesn't grab me. And then the second thing was some oat and barley scones. Just this sort of heartiness that goes along with St. Patrick's Day food that it's good and when I eat it, I enjoy it. But in terms of getting me excited about baking it, for some reason, it doesn't just jump out at me.
1: Well, my soda bread's also really good with almond or peanut butter. So if you are a fan of either of those type of nut butters, uh, it it might be right up your alley then too. And maybe even a little honey on there. Yeah. So I guess maybe is it still just because it's kind of... Still winter and you know you're still feeling like you need some sustenance.
0: I don't know. I I just feel like maybe it's just dry. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like sweet and gooey and that sort of thing. But you know what? Maybe that's why our listeners picked bread for March. Maybe they needed a little break from the sweet. So some of these St. Patrick's Day treats are going to be right up their alley. And we would love to know what you guys are baking up for St. Patrick's Day. So share your pictures. Let us know what your special St. Patrick's Day treats are. And we can't wait to see what you have cooking in your kitchens.
1: Well, Andrea, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get this episode onto the cooling rack. Next week, we're heading to the sweet side with a pull-apart cinnamon roll made in our favorite pan, a bunt. We'll also review our hot buttered pretzels, and the Globetrotting Gourmet will report from the frozen north of the Arctic Circle. Thanks, as always, to Anne-Marie Russell for supplying our theme music. You can find Anne-Marie at annemarierussell.com or on iTunes or Amazon. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at preheatedpod. If you like our show, please tell a friend and consider ranking and reviewing us on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download our podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. performed and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.